1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lusco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by your former host, Joe Goodberry, the three J's back together again. Joe, welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Good to have you here just ahead of the draft.
3: I'm excited to be here. This is my week. I'm on vacation this week and next week, but uh, I did that just because I knew like every day I would go make the rounds and give my final stand. like Dave Lapham. I'm doing the Dave Lapham round just in a much um, smaller uh, scale. It's because you're famous, Joe.
0: I mean, that's why. Let's be honest here. That was a that that was a humble brag, but it's it's uh, certainly true. So you're making the rounds. Give us the dirt. Who are the Bengals taking at five?
3: Oh, I think we already know, right? I mean, at this point, everyone is uh, locking key as long as he's there. Um, I think it's it's a very low chance it's, it will be surprised this year. It's going to be Penny Sewell. No, it's going to be Jamar Chase, I think, at number five. As long as the Falcons don't do something weird. You know what it is, though? This is – I felt like – it's funny because yesterday I was looking at my old tweets and stuff because I do that at times looking at the draft, and I was like, yeah, the Bengals – they love Frank right now. They're going to take him at 21. And it's not that the Lions like picked him because the Bengals loved him. But this scenario, you could see someone jumping above to what, swap a third, fourth round pick? I think that's when it gets interesting. If someone got ahead of the Bengals, like the Lions desperately need a receiver, right? That's when it gets interesting. But I think if he's there at number five, the Bengals will draft Jamar Chase.
2: And if he's not there, Joe, you tweeted on Tuesday that you think second on the Bengals board is trading back. This is something that would be a shift, I think, from what we heard from Duke Tobin at least a few weeks ago when he said, you know, we think there's a tier of players here that we don't want to move out of. And I guess we assumed that that tier included a guy like Pene Sewell, but maybe it doesn't is kind of what you're indicating with saying that Pene Sewell would be the third choice.
3: Well, I tried to think about it like this. And the information I got before I tweeted that was that, um, you know, it's going to be Jamar Chase, and that Sewell is kind of a fallback option. But that calls, and I've heard this from multiple people now. That calls have been made, and even actually Duke Tobin did say that. Then the other day when he was on, he said he has talked to other teams in a preliminary fashion. So I do believe there's been some at least negotiation. But when I read that first or heard him, I, I was thinking, okay, so what? You don't want to lose Pitts, Chase, and Penny. That's got to be the, the tier of elite prospects. So you can't go further than what. Seven, eight, maybe, depending on how many quarterbacks go, depending on how it looks at five. But then I thought, well, if they're that low on Sewell, and then you hear Dave Lapham say that he thinks uh, Slater is right with Sewell also. So I'm starting to put two and two together, and I think a lot of people have Slater right with Sewell. And I thought, well, what if the next tier, what if the, the, the first tier is Jamar Chase? They want Chase at five. And if he wasn't there, there would be a whole different discussion. But they believe Chase, and I, I don't need anyone to tell me this, all those people have, They absolutely love Jamar Chase. He's going to grade extremely high for them based on what they like, based on how they've drafted receivers. I have no doubt in my mind. They believe Chase is a blue chip once in a five to 10 year span receiver and they're going to love him. So maybe he's above Penny Soul, and clearly maybe he's in a tier above to the point where like we've got no questions. We think he's got a high upside plus a safe floor. We think he fits. Jamar Chase, we do have some questions about Penny Sewell, whether it's length or technique, you know, based on the last time we've seen him. Has he developed in, in the same way we feel like Chase has in the time, in the year off? Um, even though he he performed well, technique-wise, you you want some development there too. So I don't know if we've seen it or not. So my point is maybe Sewell is in the next tier with a, a Slater, with those other receivers, and maybe that's when, okay, a trade could happen because Chase is not there. Now you're in the second tier. Now you – you have the opportunity to stay within that tier and go back to eight or nine for the right pick or the right compensation and still get a guy you want in that tier. It would make a lot of sense, right? Especially, I think Sewell is someone
0: in part of the, the team chase philosophy, I think, has been, well, who's going to take Sewell if the Bengals don't at five?
3: Mm-hmm. Is
0: he going to drop to eight? Is he going to drop to nine? Does uh, Do the Panthers take the first offensive lineman in the draft and it ends up being Rashawn Slater? Not Penny Sewell, and so this to me is refreshing. Like Jake said, because they might be higher on Sewell than most of the the rest of the NFL, and if that's the case, then you might as well trade down and get something else in return, and still maybe get your guy.
3: Yeah, and we're talking about a, a very slim scenario, right? I don't think the Falcons are going to take Chase, but if it did, or if someone jumped ahead then yeah, I'm with you. If you can get an extra... Now, teams are going to be coming up for a quarterback in that scenario because there's still going to be a guy there. Let's say, I think we have to pay attention to that third pick. We know who the first two are. At least we feel pretty good about it. If the 49ers go Mac Jones, because I haven't heard his name with too many other teams. So let's hope for the 49ers to go Mac Jones at three. Not Trey Lance, not Justin Fields. Because then I think there will be other suitors for Lance and Fields. And then if whoever picks Chase at four... Yeah, we'd have our hearts broken. I think the Bengals would a little bit in that scenario. But that means teams are going to be calling about Lance and Fields at number five. And the Bengals would be in a situation where they can say, okay, uh, we can move back to nine, let's say, the Broncos or or eight, whatever the case may be. Or even I don't think they'd go much further than that, right? I feel like that's as far as you'd probably want to go and still end up with Sewell or Slater. Um, and you get an extra first rounder or an extra second rounder in there because they're coming to pay for a quarterback. And we see the value in what teams pay because you're bidding against other teams more than likely. Um, that's when it gets really intriguing of how can they rebuild this roster, even if they have to settle for Rashawn Slater. And I say settle with air clo- quotes because a lot of people really like him.
2: Yeah, Rashawn Slater, a very good prospect. And as you point out, Joe, when teams are coming up for quarterbacks, they tend to overpay by about a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. When you look at what teams are actually using for the trade value chart these days in recent history, the, the overpay is roughly a first-round pick. And we've talked a lot on this podcast, on Twitter, elsewhere about the fact that more picks is good. You need to take swings in the NFL draft. You're not going to hit a lot of those swings. So adding an extra first round pick of value for a team that needs to add, you know, depth, talent, etc., cetera, makes a lot of sense. Let's talk a little bit about the specific prospects. Obviously a lot to like about both of them. There are some similar knocks on both of them as well from a from a technique perspective, I think, for both, whether it's route running for Jamar Chase in terms of the, the intermediate stuff, especially the in-breakers the in particular, uh, his ability to get in and out of breaks quickly, his ability to step on the toes of cornerbacks or Pene Sewell pad level, missing his target at the second level, uh, you know, hand placement being pretty wide in some cases they obviously have a lot of tools to make up for those things, but from a specific concern perspective, does anything stand out to you that will be a big obstacle for either of these guys at the next level?
3: I wouldn't say a big obstacle. I think the reason we would consider them at five is because the tape isn't flawless for either guy that the transition to the NFL will not be flawless. You've mentioned pretty much all the concerns you would read about on on the internet for either one of these guys. Um, And I think, What you want to overcome that with is a guy that is young, so he's still developing. Now, we haven't seen these guys in a year, so that's also part of it, right? When we saw them, they were 18, 19, 19 years old for the two of them, and – what development took place in that year. It's kind of a, a mystery, and, and we may be completely shocked by Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase shows up, and he's a tremendous route runner. we kind of go, yeah, well, he's 21 now. He should be hitting that stride right about now. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think the same could be said for, for Seul if he all of a sudden is a very good technician now. Um, so if you draft guys that are young and that have the athleticism and the production, which these guys do, I think you feel good about them winning or, or winning enough early on that they can turn into technicians, right? And I think that's the kind of the thing with quarterback lately. Everyone wants to draft the most athletic guys of the fastest guy with the strongest arm because he'll win enough until he gets better at the smaller things. And I think that's the case with Chase and Sewell. So yes, there are some things like you pointed out. I think Chase can get better. Um, at un- in press situations, even though he was successful, there are some things you'd like to see him do, not let himself get jammed so much and then try and throw a guy down, almost like he's inviting contact, right? Like, he's, like he wants it. Come wrestle me because that's my advantage. Um, there's going to be some bigger corners in the NFL, not that he didn't face them in college, but um, these guys are going to be a little bit more technique savvy. Uh, so you'd like to see him be a little more finesse in those situations. I think the route running... While it can be rough in some areas, it's the flashes. It's inconsistent, right? Like, you'll see him run a, a deep in route, and you go, oh, okay, he kind of rounded that off a little bit, let that guy get on his hip pocket a little too much, and then he runs it again later in the game. You're like, Phew. Flawless. Great. You snap that off and turned around and got an extra 15 yards after the catch because of it. So I think it's more of an inconsistent thing with him where it's, there's no reason why he should be a bad route runner. Uh, you know, some of his testing wasn't tremendous there, but his, his shuttle was right. So you get the cone. That's OK. The Shuttle's great. And then you're like, yeah, maybe he can develop into a, a much better, more athletic, refined guy. I feel the same way about Sewell. Like he he wants guys to come in and contact him because he's so big. It takes so long for guys to get around him anyways. The idea there, I think, for him, I, I think it was Anthony Cassenza, of Cincy Jungle showed the one of Jay Tufele um, kind of beating him and then falling into Herbert's knee. And really, that's like a technique thing for for Sewell, where you see he opens up his hip a little bit too much and almost gave the track right to the quarterback there, whereas he should have killed him and dumped him. It's just the, the times you see him even get stressed out or sweat a little bit, it's only because he's just a little disjointed with his, with his technique. And I think that's For a guy like that, there's no reason why he shouldn't overcome it.
2: Now, I'm not sure this is the most important choice the Bengals actually have to make. It's the one that's been talked about the most. I'm going to ask you that question coming out of the break. Is this the most important thing for the Bengals in this draft, what they do at number five? Or is there something else that maybe will have more of an impact on the Bengals' success in the future? We'll get into that topic in some of the later rounds coming up next.
0: This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring ideal for engagement, Mother's Day or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10x10. 10 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry. they' surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for a perfect, unique ring she's going to treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They're not going to be around for long, so check them out now by searching the words 10x10 10 10 only at BlueNile.com.
2: Hey, Bengals fans, listen up. Nugenix, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenix, total T, text DRAFT, D-R-A-F-T, to two three one two three one. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text draft D R A F T to two three one two three one. That's draft to two three one two three one. Message and data rates may apply. It's the NFL draft time of year, which means we're talking to Joe Goodberry to prepare for the draft. Of course, you can find him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, but don't expect much. He's retired, going down to Florida with the family this weekend for a little vacation for the old tradition. And yes, he's got his vaccines. Don't worry about him. But Joe, let's talk about, is this the most important decision in the draft? The, the Chase versus Sewell decision that's dominated discourse in Bengals Twitter and has leaked onto the national scene. Is this the most important thing facing the Bengals this year? And if it's not, what is?
3: You know, it's not I, even just in this draft. I think 38 is going to be a much more pivotal moment because uh, I think they're going to be faced with a bunch of offensive linemen. And then who are the fallers, right? Uh, is there a big disconnect this year with the COVID year? And I thought there was last year in the draft. Now it's even extended or, or maybe even uh, uh, accentuated. But so could there be a, an edge rusher that's still there? I think they've got 600 snaps to fill that edge rusher this year. Um, so uh, I think that is, do we just go with O-line and force it down our throats? Cause they have to eventually. That's the reason I would have, and I still would gladly accept Pene Sewell because I want them to act like offensive line is it, like it matters. You know, I want them not just Frank Pollock, not just bringing back Quentin Spain and one year deal for Riley Reef. I want them to, to like acknowledge like we can't let this happen again to burrow type thing and, and i know that's the fear that plays on a lot of people that that want penny Sewell and flipping tables if they don't draft him but i'm kind of like i want to see it i want them to show it so even if there are a couple better edge rushers or whatever okay maybe it's a corner whatever the case may be you still say no we want this offensive lineman and he's going to start at right guard for us this year or whatever the case may be so I, I do think 38 is the biggest decision i it's funny. I was just on another podcast, and I'm I'm talking like how many positions they should draft. They it sounds clear they're going to take a receiver. They need at least one offensive lineman. I wouldn't be surprised if they'd spend two on offensive line. They probably should. Um, they need an edge rusher. I think they need a defensive tackle. I think they should probably draft a kicker. I think they will draft a kicker. If you want, if I had to like put money on like a day three pick, I, I think kicker will happen. That's six out of your eight picks. They don't have a lot of flexibility if they want to fill these needs. And I hate that kind of draft going in. So um, I think they're going to have to nail it while addressing needs. And if not, we can come out of this saying they need to go dip back into free agency or the pass rush is going to be poor or whatever the case may be. Even in a
0: worst case scenario, Joe, and let's just assume they take Chase at 38. Do you think they'll have to reach on an offensive lineman like maybe the guard or tackle isn't going to be higher than one of the falling edge rushers? Because that certainly is a realistic possibility. But even if that is the case, it doesn't feel like they're going to have to reach much. And that's probably what gives them comfort in taking chase at five and addressing offensive line later.
3: I think exactly what you put it is, is the, is what they're looking at. Right. And then saying I, I've said I think O line is going to be screaming at them at 38. I mm-hmm. I just can't see a scenario where they're looking at their board and maybe it's five guys at the top of the board. We want to pick through this. You're going to have all night to to dream about it, all morning to think about how you want to attack it. They pick six. They're going to flip flop with the Eagles every round. So um, there's a few teams that need O line in front of them. But I think you could be sitting there and like worst case scenario is there's a run on offensive line. And I think seven tackles is the record before pick 38. I don't even think we're going to hit that this year. I think there's more guards that are going to start to come into play. And let's say, worst case scenario, tackles run off. Leatherwood's not there. Cosme's not there. Maybe the best guy is Dylan Raddins, right? Uh, And he's like, okay, he may be a developmental guy coming from a a Division II type college. Um, But I think the guards there or the interior linemen there are going to be way worth it. Whether that's Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson's kind of a, a, a question mark now with recent reports. But... You know, if those are clear with the Bengals, I think he would be a tremendous fit for them. Uh, I think Quinn Miners maybe has the best upside out of any a2 guy that's projected to go at that point. I mean, over Leatherwood, over Cosme. I, like, I'm not going to be surprised if he's an all pro guard or center in two or three years, and maybe that's not, maybe that feels like a little bit of a reach. Maybe those guys sh- that play against D3 guys, the Ellie Markets of the world, should go around later than they're supposed to, and maybe he's there at 69. But the point is, I do think there is a lot of guys that it, even it could be guys that most teams view as all right, we got to kick him the guard, uh, Liam Meikenberg, or whatever the case may be. Um, I, they're going to have their options. It, it, it's like you said, though. Do we take a guy that was, when you reset the board, it'll be one through five? But do you keep that original number there where your 17th ranked guy is still there and he plays defensive end, or your 25th fifth guy is there and he's a corner, and then your 28 and 29 guys are offensive line? Do you pass that guy that was in the teens still on your board um, to say we need to take O line?
2: I don't know if that's really in the Bengals' DNA, but what is in their DNA is trading back in the second round. I think that is something that we've talked about a lot. I think that that is something that could make a lot of sense. And what seems to be coming out, I read Bob McGinn's piece recently talking about offensive line in this class. And you look at Daniel Jeremiah's board and it's a bunch of guys in the high 30s. Darisaw even on Daniel Jeremiah's board coming in in the, in the high 30s, Cosme and Leatherwood in the 60s, low 60s for Jeremiah. And I think that that might actually be the consensus is a lot of the linemen in this class are day two guys. And even the ceiling of this class and guys like Slater and Sewell might be more accurately pegged as Jeremiah has them as top 10, not top five kind of prospects. So how how does that kind of play into things? We talk a lot about, you know, you just have to get to adequate. You have to get to average on the offensive line. Maybe is, is there a concern at this point that, you know, a guy like Cosme, his footwork might not be ready to go. He has all the athleticism. He has a pretty good track record of production, but he's, he's crossing his feet over in his mm-hmm. kick slide. He doesn't actually have a kick slide. I don't know what he's doing. Right. So. With a guy like Leatherwood, similar, similar thing where he he doesn't quite play to as long as he is. He gives up the edge a little bit too much. A guy like Dylan Raddins has quality of competition questions. Landon Dickerson has the injury questions, but we've been talking all this time about, you know, there's going to be somebody that you're really comfortable with. Do you think it's a dark horse or do you think it's going to be one of those guys, a trade back, a defensive lineman? I think that second round pick, as you mentioned, Joe, gets to be a really interesting inflection point in the draft. We'll get into that answer coming up next.
0: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL draft is almost here. Baseball season in full swing. You can track all the action at bet online. And as far as the draft goes, prop bets galore at BetOnline.ag. So get in there now, you know, where you think these guys are going to go. You might as well make some money doing it. Plus, you can check out the Kentucky Derby this Saturday. Well, the first leg of the Triple Crown, you can bet on it at BetOnline.ag. So get off the sidelines, get in on the action, go there now. BetOnline.ag, check out all they have to offer. And when you make that first deposit, make sure you use promo code On. You're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus. It's that simple. NFL Draft, NBA, Major League Baseball, Kentucky Derby, all in one spot. BetOnline.ag. Use promo code locked on for a fifty percent welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
2: I've got a shipment of my favorite protein bar on the planet coming in on Friday, just in time to get me through the part of the draft where I start to get tired. Coconut brownie chunk built bars coming my way, and if that doesn't sound good to you, they've got eighteen amazing flavors, including some fruit-based options like cherry barcia or raspberry, some chocolatey bits like German chocolate, chocolate peanut butter. They've also got stuff like cookies and cream. So whatever flavor sounds good to you, Built Bar will have a protein bar with a flavor that you love. And not only is the flavor great, they're gonna fit your workout regimen to a T. They're high in protein, low in sugar, high in fiber, perfect for the keto diet, low-calorie snack, I eat them as a breakfast replacement personally. Right now you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your next order. Go check out all the flavors of BuiltBar.com and make sure you use that promo code LOCKED15. Joe, before the break, we were talking about maybe some depth concerns at offensive line. Maybe there's a dark horse or maybe it's defensive line. Is it a trade back? Where do you think they're actually going to go with that second round pick. And then depending on your answer there, let's talk about the third round pick too.
3: Yeah. I, I think you make a good point about that cluster of offensive line prospects. Maybe they're actually ranked in the 40 to 60 range. Right. Uh, and if that's the case and there's some guy that's Aziz, a jewelry, right. It's still there. And so here's what you do. You don't force yourself to take that edge guy. You start making calls. You start letting someone come pay you for that, prospect that's still there because you want to attack offensive line. So you move back 10 spots, and now you're right in prime range. Maybe a couple of linemen go. That's not the worst thing in the world. And you sit there, and now you're taking Dylan Raddins. Now you're taking uh, Ben Cleveland or Walker Little or whatever. And, you know, I have concern. Walker Little, same way I feel about Lane and Dickerson. Are the Bengals in position to take a risk with that pick? I don't think they are. Uh, you know, I think it would be you got guys with injury history. Um, we need a plug-and-play starter, and they can't afford to miss. So at the very least, I could see them taking out like a a high floor guy, like a Ben Cleveland, even in a trade back, uh, because I think PFF grades him as a better zone blocker, even though he's got some issues on tape with stiffness. I think that's a plug and play right guard. If the Milton Williams connections and reports and rumors that have been floated are true. And the latest one I read was. Bengals and Cowboys jockeying of who's going to take them first. Does that mean round two? Do you trade back and and, and take him there? Is he is he going to be there at 69? You, you know, I really like Arif Hassan's consensus board. Because when you see it, you really start to see the draft as a full scope. You see some of these, Milton Williams, I think, is 89 there or 91. Spencer Brown, 89, 91. I flip-flop those two. Um, the the talented offensive tackle prospect. You, is that fourth round? Are we talking? Are we, are we saying that Ben Cleveland should be a fourth-round pick? If that's the case, and there's, this happens every year. We got to remind ourselves this. All of our favorite prospects are not going to go in order. There's gonna be some weird picks thrown in there that we don't even care about. We'll laugh at some of these picks. Jake and I have done that on many of draft streams. And then you you, you know, half the guys you don't care about get drafted, half you do care about. Well, that means the other half is still there in every single round, whether it be the third round, fourth round, fifth round. There's gonna be guys there that we really like. And still value the Bengals are going to feel the same way. It's why they always say, oh, we had a second round grade on this guy. We drafted him in the fifth round. I'm sure he did. But is that that real? Is that true? Well, I don't know. But the point is that there's going to be good value. And that's why to me,
0: Joe, I think it's more realistic or or there's a better chance in them not filling all of these needs, right? You mentioned defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, obviously offensive line. Uh, I'll name two that they're going to fill the two around Burrow because they didn't address them in free agency. At some point, they're going to take a receiver. Maybe it isn't on day one if Chase isn't there or day two. Uh, but still, I think they're going to take at least one receiver, uh, take a couple offensive linemen. But I think there's a scenario where we're like, oh, they didn't address defensive tackle or they didn't get the edge rusher until round six, and that guy's going to be a special teamer and not really contribute and mm-hmm. might not make the team. I think that's pretty realistic.
3: Yeah, it's, it's realistic to think they're going to, screw up half their picks also you know i mean let's be honest if if they hit half of these picks we'll be excited they haven't had a day three pick in how long they're getting production out of Auden tate and darius phillips that's it they've hit nothing it's not like when they were really good hitting five straight uh playoffs six out of seven years even they were they had a lot of day three contributions we need to look at that You you want to say where their biggest challenges or the biggest turning point may be in their drafting give me a day three stud Where's it going to come from? Is it going to be fourth round, fifth round? You got to get me one eventually, or else this team's going to struggle with depth and they're going to struggle. You can't, you can't buy all of your starters. You can't draft all your starters in the first two rounds. It They need to get something in the fourth or fifth round here.
2: Maybe it's going to be a kicker, Joe.
3: Maybe it will be. Evan McPherson guy works with at Florida. Told me told, told me that Darren Simmons spent a lot of time with them at the pro day, talking with them, working with them. They're going to draft a kicker, right? They're not going to go in there with Austin Sabre um again right I mean that's not that doesn't seem logical now do they spend a fifth to make sure they get the guy they want they should have did that last year Tyler Bass right Rodrigo Blankenship those are the guys but now you're coming I mean maybe get a guy in the sixth seventh round here you should, we can't go back in time it is what it is but uh yeah I think they'll they'll take one
2: I think the two six round picks is a place to do it both James and I had them using one of their six round picks on a kicker in our predictive mock drafts can I put you on the spot to do a predictive seven rounds here Can can you do it can you rattle it off
3: Eh, maybe. We'll see. All
2: right, let's do it, Joe Goodberry. James and I have done our predictive mocks. Let's start in the first round. Who are they taking?
3: They're taking Jamar Chase.
2: All right, that's easy. Second round.
3: I think they'll look to trade back. If not, if I project that some of the guys are going to go, I would say Sam Cosme, but I don't want to shoot too high. I'm going to say Dylan Raddins. Dylan Raddins,
2: I think, might actually be the... This is a hot take a little bit. Might actually be the best tackle out of the trio that we've talked about at this spot between yeah. Cosme, Leatherwood, and Rodden. It's like the most pro-ready player. Might be. I know what you mean. Might be. Uh, let's go third round, Joe.
3: I still want to stick with Milton Williams. Maybe that's me being hopeful. Maybe that's me saying if they did this, I'd give him an A-plus for this pick. I just think the value can match the need and match the where I expect him to be drafted. Um, so I'm going to stick with Milton Williams until I die. That's a
2: name that, I mean, maybe it's Pauline, maybe it's you, maybe it's me, maybe it's Geno Atkins and that connection from the athletic testing comparable, but James and I can't get off it either. I could see an edge rusher here too. I mean, we talked about yeah. this when we did our predictive mock, like if, if a Peyton Turner falls, not that I think he will, but one of those kind of guys is, is there. You could see that too. Uh, day three, and James, I'll let you react and take it from here after we get Joe's fourth round pick.
3: So fourth round, I would love if they dipped back into offensive line. But I don't – whenever I do these simulations, there's not much of a difference unless a guy falls there between the guys that are going to go in the fourth and then the fifth round, maybe even sometimes a sixth round on O-line. So they don't have to force it. I think this is when you could go, okay, now there's still an edge here or there's still a – this surprise pick got to come. It never goes need by need by need by need. Is this a tight end? Is this a linebacker? Is this a corner? Um. Again, I I think they – in my ideal scenario, I guess I'm trying to be predictive here, but I do think offensive line comes off again. I just think this is how they end up getting three guys like they did at linebacker last year. Um, So I'm going to say Sidarius Hutcherson because I think he's got a lot of upside as a guard. And I think uh, maybe Dylan Radden starts this year and moves to tackle in 2022. What year is it now? But Hutcherson is developed as a guy that maybe can be your – Future starting right guard. I think two offensive
0: linemen in four rounds. Bengals fans would would sign up for that, especially after Chase at the top. What do you got in round five?
3: I'm going to go Terran Jackson, Edge, out of Coastal Carolina. Uh, he tested well. He's got decent production. He's kind of a short, stocky, linebacker-looking kind of dude. but And he moved like a linebacker. But he's a pass rusher, and he was pretty disruptive. Uh, I think they need to address Edge now. There's two years in a row going in the fifth round of getting an Edge guy. Probably not going to help you too much. The pass rush is going to stink still, if you're unless Milton Williams is a boom player right away, which I don't think we should expect that as a third-round pick. Uh, uh, so I'm going to say Taron Jackson, fifth round.
2: And that's how you know Joe Goodberry's retired. I think I had to correct you on this at some point in draft season, James. Taron Jackson, actually a very average athlete, fifty six percentile RAS.
3: You know what it is? It's the videos. He looked very athletic in the videos of that pro day.
0: All right, two sixth-round picks. Do we have a kicker?
3: What do you got, Joe? We do. We got Evan McPherson as one of them from Florida. That's the guy. No surprise. Here, right? That's going to be the one. They're going to take the other guy, the guy from Miami, because I don't even know his name so in real life. But I'm going to go with Evan McPherson now. <laughs> and the other other one, let's go with um, a running back, J.B. and Hawkins. He's still there, so they take him. And uh, he's your change of pace, gives you some speed. Uh, a little bit you know, smaller, quicker guy. Even though Mixon's probably going to be more of the passing game back this year. I think the talent level now. Like, if mixing goes down, we like P. Ryan. We want to know what Travion Williams is. But are they talented? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's worried about that. I'd love to see if you had a home run hitter that can get mixed in there.
0: Is Hawkins the next diamond in the rough type guy?
3: Maybe. Maybe he's just Bernard Scott, right? Where he can help you a little bit as a, as a return guy and a, just a change of pace. Gotcha.
0: All right. Pick 235, the Bengals' seventh round selection. Who do you got?
3: most important one two years in a row they go linebacker two years in a row in seventh round last year was marcus bailey i think they hope he can be more than than a seventh rounder but i got isaiah mcduffie out of boston college uh guy that was like a straight up in the box type guy but straight line speed i think he's got it he tested i think four or five something uh this year highly productive smart dude that just gets it at the very least he's a special teamer uh don't be surprised be all plays that
2: i think paul Daner had uh, Hilliard, Ohio State linebacker, had some injury mm-hmm. issues, sixth or seventh round in his mock draft as well. And I see it similarly, like you talk about with Marcus Bailey, similar idea there, right? You get a guy who, you know, you take a flyer on a little bit. One guy I want to ask you about because he's from your area before we let you go, Malcolm Koontz, Buffalo edge rusher. You watched him at all?
3: Yeah, just slightly. I watched, um, I don't think – like I, I'm surprised to see some of the rankings. Some people seem to really like him. I, did someone have him a second round mock? I think at one point, wow. and uh, to the Lions, I think. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know if he's that. Oh, he, sure, day three flyer type. But I don't, you know, I mean, we've seen good Buffalo edge rushers, Khalil Mack. He's not that. He's not. He shouldn't be touching the top sixty. I had him in round five in our mock. Show. That makes sense. Yes.
2: Okay. Great athleticism, great production. Just he—he's coming out of Buffalo, so so, who knows.
3: Right. There's flashes where like guys don't even get a hand on him. And I'm like, is that his athleticism or is that this crappy ball state left tackle? And <laughs> when he tested good, though, you're like, OK, maybe it is athleticism. But I don't know how to project that. I really don't know.
2: It's a question for a lot of guys. I mean, we talked about a couple of North Dakota State. There's South Dakota State guys in this draft. There's a Coastal mm-hmm. Carolina guy, Taryn Jackson, that we talked about. We haven't even talked about, you know, the, the two lane pairing. Uh, Cam Sample being the more notable, I think of those two names at this point, there's, there's a lot of small school stuff talked about Quinn Miners too. They're all yep. difficult projections. And especially in a year where you don't have a lot of tape on these guys because of COVID or because of this, because of that very challenging year for the NFL draft. Also a smaller pool. It's going to be interesting to see how that impacts undrafted free agency because there's just going to be fewer players I think available mm-hmm. this year.
3: Yeah. Just take athletes that produced, you know, let's, like Rennell ran a couple years ago. He was an athlete, did not produce in college. So I, let's marry the two if we can. I'm kind of leaning more towards production lately. Um, I still want the athleticism. I just don't trust it as much this year.
2: Ideally, sure. Find the guy with production. Find the guy with athleticism. Find him late. Find him early. Take all of them. Make sure they fit or find a way to use them. That's always a challenge. Joe Goodberry, thanks so much for the time. Joe, James and I will be together live on Twitch for some amount of time on Thursday night for the first round. So you can come by and check that out as well. We'll have links on Twitter, Joe. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the opinions.
3: Thanks boys. Thanks for having me again. Let's go. Uh, Jamar chase. Number one.
2: That's Joe Goodberry, former host of the Locked On Bengals podcast and athletic film writer for the Cincinnati Bengals. As always appreciate his time and we'll be back tomorrow. With Dave Lapham, our last show before the 2021 NFL draft coming soon. Until then, Bengals fans, hooday and have a good one.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.